Hello everybody, Eric Dillman here and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 35 with Nina Takish. She's an interior designer based out of Beverly Hills, California. She has designed nurseries for so many A-list celebrities. She talks about all of that. She talks about her remodeling expert career, her YouTube page, Red Elevator, and also talks about a very fun partnership she had with a very big company here in the U.S., but now make sure you make it your way over to the podcast and subscribe, rate, and review. And I hope you enjoy episode 35 with Nina Takish. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nina, for joining me today on the Pro Series podcast. Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. So thank you for um, inviting me, Eric, and, and wanting to hear about my story. So this is very exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. I came, I always like to talk to my guests on how I found them. And I found you based off of one of your projects, which we talked off screen that is actually in your own home. And once we talk about your website, we'll, I'll show you the picture um, what of what I'm talking about. I can't wait to do that because you have a very intensive, great detailed um, website. Um, but I first want to start out on how you started out into the interior design business and was it always something you loved as a child and went into and did you go to school for it like how did that all come about so that's a very good question a lot of people ask me how i started or how i can give them tips on how to start but i was born a designer okay. you just know when you're when that you know when you're creative and okay. uh, but my entire um sort of education was based around learning about business. And uh, I was very sort of entrepreneurial from the get-go. Like I was making little pins and going door to door and trying to sell them and, you know, in my, on my street. I mean, there was always this, this spirit of, of entrepreneurship. And then my father, of course, is an architect. So that was um, probably one of the reasons why I was very much sort of thrust into the world of architecture and design, because we would, um, you know, we would, we would always be doing things design related. So whether it was, you know, being at his office and looking at architectural plans or going to open houses with him, you know, as a child for fun and, uh, you know, taking art classes and drawing buildings. And, and it was just really part of who I was. I remember collecting my parents' architectural digests in my room, like they would just receive it. And I would be like, this is amazing. And I would grab it and I'd put it in my room. And by contrast, my sister had zero interest. So I knew I was a little bit different um, from, from the rest. And uh, it was just something that I loved doing. But I kept thinking, you know, when you're brought up, um, you know, with parents that uh, really value education, they were always promoting like, you're, you'll be a lawyer or a doctor or you would go to business school. And so my sister's a lawyer, but she was born to be a lawyer. And I was born to be an interior designer. So I went to business school. I actually did not go to art school of any kind. I wish I had gone to art school, but I did take a lot of art classes. And I thought about going to architecture school at some point. And then I just went straight to business school. So that's the long and the short of it. That's very cool. That's interesting because I went to design school, but I wish I got a... Uh, master's degree or something in business because interior design you, it's running it's a business, business. it yeah. is a business yeah and, and one, 
we need it. And I think one of the reasons I've been really successful, to be honest, is because I have the mindset of a, of a business person. So I know how to monetize. I know how to do marketing. You know, I've, I've worked for Fortune 500 companies. I was the market director, um, uh, a marketing manager at Huggies when I lived in South okay. America. So I've worked for big company. I worked for Coca-Cola, you know, for a while doing auditing and, you know, just really terrible accounting business stuff. And so I got a lot of experience running businesses and learning from the best from AC Nielsen, Kimberly Clark, which is, you know, one of the biggest consumer packaged goods companies, um, you know, household goods out there. And so I knew how to run a business and I, that really has helped me in my design business. And it helps that, of course, I have um, a love and passion for design. So marrying the two, it's usually one or the other. You're either right brain or left brain. But I think I, I got some kind of um, head injury. And, and I'm able to do both. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that's funny you say that because there are a lot of companies out there that are the interior design companies and they fail just because of they don't know how to run the business. Yeah, and it's cash intensive. Yeah, uh, you know, you have to have people don't realize how much money you have to spend um, in order to have employees, and you also have to have you know all the things that go with the business. You also have to have you know a good sense of cash flow and cash flow analysis because a lot of times you're buying products for your clients and then they're paying you later. You can't say no, and and you know there's a lot that goes on in running the business and doing it successfully. And knowing, you know, that fine line with um, understanding cash flow. Absolutely. And it's funny, you, you, when you bring up the cash flow thing, I think the biggest problem with designers, they just design to, to make it look nice and they're not taking into account or they never ask the question for the budget. And that's yes. huge. That's a big part of our job is trying to figure out the budget and figuring out what can fit in the budget. Yes. I mean, budget is, is a very big concern. Uh, a lot of times when I ask my clients, what's your budget? Initially, they think, oh, well, I'm not going to say a big number or I don't want her to think I want to spend money because it'll, it'll be more expensive. In fact, it's the opposite. When I ask for a budget is because I want to allocate. I, I don't want you to go over budget. I don't like going over budget. It's actually a fun exercise in staying within budget. Why? Because A, the client's happy. B, I don't have to keep asking, is this too expensive or is this not, you know, I, I know what my budget is and I know what I'm doing and I can power through it versus wondering if this is too expensive or not expensive enough and so forth. And I'm allocating the money where things need to go. So if it's a beautiful piece and I have a budget that is plentiful, fine. But if it's, but if I have a strict budget and well, then I'll compromise, I'll, I'll buy that one piece that might be you know, very uh, exorbitant, but that's because I know it's going to make the room. And then on the flip side, I'll find something that's more reasonable that I can mix with it. And so it really is a good idea, I think, for people that are thinking of hiring interior designers to really have a budget and know what you're doing, because otherwise it's just, you know, it's, it's just a shot in the dark. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are like you said, are scared of that because they're, they're afraid they're going to get uh, taken advantage of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm sure there are people like that. So you have to be cautious. But mm -hmm. uh, again, you're not going to hire a designer you don't trust. Um, you know, references are huge. Talking to other customers, uh, other other clients that the interior designer has you know, worked with is always a great idea. 
and um, and really understand the breakdown of how the interior designer is charging their client so that you understand when you say a budget, you know exactly what that means. Yeah, that's true. What is the best advice you'd give to someone starting out as a designer to how to go about the questioning of a budget? I would be very transparent and say, do you, know, do you have a budget in mind? Uh, because it's important for me to be able to give you maximum value. So if um, I, I want to put the money where the money needs to go. So, you know, every project is different. There's construction in some, there's just furniture in others. And so, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to ask that question. And, and um, I always think transparency is the best way to go. Like, I'm not the kind of designer who doesn't show my invoices and all of a sudden, you know, none of that. So I'm like, this is what I paid. You got to pay a percentage of that, but I'm going to get you the best deal. Like, you can't get this price. I'm basically getting it for you because of my my relationships, my designer discount, et cetera, et cetera. This is not available to the public. This is just for the trade. And then I charge a markup on that, but I'm very transparent. I show the invoices and, and, uh, and people like that. People want to see today in today's world, what exactly they're paying for. There's oh, no, yeah. you know, there's no mystery. Like you can't, nothing can be mysterious. Yeah. I guess it all comes down to confidence and if that you could actually deliver that question to your customer and it's hard when you start out, but you'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Next. I want to talk about how you started with your child um, children's boutique and what you did for some very famous people um, in their homes and um, kind of how you segued into where you are now. Yes. So after I decided, I, I decided the corporate world wasn't for me. Um, mm. I got a tremendous amount of experience. It was great. I moved back to the United States and, and I soon thereafter got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I found myself, I mean, you know, I live in Los Angeles, so I found myself going to, and you would think for a cosmopolitan city like this, they would have the best baby stores around. So I found that I had to go to a combination of stores. I had to go to Babies R Us to get the utilitarian things like the strollers, et cetera. I had to register at a store by the name of Bellini, which had you know all the cute things. And then I had to buy my furniture from a different store that had furniture. And I just felt overwhelmed and yeah. couldn't understand why it wasn't all under one roof. And so the whole concept of a, a one-stop shop really was born with... Um, the brand that I created literally from nothing, Petit Trésor. And uh, it became very, very successful, knock on wood. We were, you know, in every trade magazine you can think, not trade, every, every you know, paper you can think of. We've got tremendous yes. amount of press. We were on E! We were on, um, you know, Entertainment Tonight. We were on Access Hollywood. Every magazine, you know, this was, this was when Britney Spears got pregnant. And of course, we did her nursery and that just blew up and... It trickled into doing a lot of, um, if somebody was famous, they were literally basically shopping at our store. So we were very lucky. We, we, we counted our blessings and we just had a very successful run for almost, I want to say 17 years. And when the part of the business that I love the most, I love the business aspect of it. So I was in charge of uh, basically um, all of the, uh, you know, all of the finances and the, and the purchasing and, you know, running the business and its marketing and so forth. 
But the part that I loved the most was also the design. And so we would design, um, you know, from, from Jennifer Lopez to, I mean, we had Beyonce shopping, delivering things incognito to her estate. I mean, you name it, it happened. We were oh, filling cool. um, private jets for very, uh, you know, for the royal family of Saudi Arabia and other countries. And we would just, you know, load it in there and they would take off. So um, the part that I loved the most was the interior design aspect. So we would, we would create these very luxurious rooms, nurseries, I should say, playrooms, and that would trickle into other rooms. I remember we did Lisa Marie Presley's, um, and she had this concept of a forest-like room. And, you know, we basically created this enchanted forest with these very intricate murals and, and these gorgeous, ro she loves roses. She's, it's, it's her thing. And so we painted roses everywhere. And I mean, these are the things that really gave, um, gave me the experience to, um, to have interaction with clients, uh, very high level clients. How do you service them? How do you get how do you get the products? Where do you get the fabrics? How do you do coloring? All of that is basically what an interior designer does, but we were doing it for nurseries. And so when I decided to close retail right before COVID, um, it was a very natural transition for me to go into uh, my interior design business because um, I had uh, additionally done a lot of flips for myself. Okay. And on the side, I was always, you know, I'm always the entrepreneurial in me is always looking for um, multitasking and, and, and doing more. And I was buying a house, remodeling, selling, and I built my own house from the ground up. I um, renovated, got renovated a couple of my homes prior to my final house that I'm in right now that I literally built out of nothing because it was barren land. And so all of that just led me to this is this is my passion. This is my dream. This is what I do. I, I, I am happiest doing interior design. To me, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like having a good time and getting paid for it. Absolutely. That's awesome. Like you yeah. dropped so many high profile people in there. I was just like laughing because I'm like, I know it's, it's crazy. How is it different um, designing for someone very high profile like that? And then just someone like normal, like us? Well, um, NDAs. So there's a couple, oh, okay. couple of people I can't mention because we've signed, we've signed NDAs. But you can imagine who they are. I mean, they're in the news all the time. Um, and the other thing that is different is that you have to go through other people. So when you're dealing with, depending on the client, but when you're dealing with a high level profile, high profile celebrity, um, that you don't call them, you call the person that's handling the project. And so you have to go through different channels. And so there's, it, it sometimes it, um, it creates more of a, a logistics issue because you can't get direct information. And sometimes we had, you know, clients like when Stefani was uh, one of our, you know, first clients who came in with her son and she just is the most normal, the coolest. She's like, I want, I want to buy a crib today. And we're like, okay, it's Gwen Stefani. She's <laughs> like, no problem. So, you know, it really depends. Everybody's, everybody's different. Everybody has a different, um, you know, a different way that they live. And, and you wouldn't believe how normal some of these, these celebrities are. They just, uh, everybody's, you know, that's difference. But the main difference really is, is just the logistics of getting a hold of them. Gotcha. Do you ever miss having the, that storefront for that, the children's boutique? 
absolutely not. Oh no. I do not miss it. Um, it was blood, sweat, and tears for, you know, many, many years. It's a very labor intensive, all consuming business. And, um, I, I am very happy now not having a retail storefront. I think that it just sucks all of the energy out of you because rents are so high. So you're basically working night and day to be able to pay all of your staff, to pay your overhead, to pay the insurance, to pay. I mean, it's just a cash machine that you have to continuously feed. And so um, the focus is off of the design and the focus is on, okay, how much money are we going to make so we can cover all of these costs? I mean, we were on Robertson and Melrose. There's no, you know, other than Rodeo Drive, that is, you know, the highest, you know, per square foot uh, region in, in definitely in California and almost all of the world. There's only a few places that, that um, charge that amount of rent. So it's very stressful and, um, and it's, it's tough. It's a very, retail is a very difficult business, which is why, you know, I wanted to pull out. It was just too much work. It's just too yeah. much. And I can imagine it probably took years to get to get to the point where you were doing those celebrities, correct? There's probably a lot of blood, sweat and tears between. Well, you know, we were really lucky. I have to say, because uh, year two, I year two, I, okay. I believe it was year two, maybe year three, Britney Spears walked in and then just put us on the map. At the time, it was like the biggest thing on the planet that she had broken up with uh, Justin Timberlake and was now with Kevin Federline and 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 was pregnant. And prior to that, the pregnant celebrities would always shy away from the prep from press because they're like, "I'm pregnant. I don't want anyone to see me." So they would go off, have a baby in secret, come back, come back out. And then when it started hitting, you know, magazines like uh, Us Weekly and People and so forth celebrities started to monetize that and so they were getting you know cover cover shots because of the fact that they were pregnant and so it just changed I really truly believe that it was our store and I know it was because that's how it happened that transformed the whole idea between uh, celebrities monetization and then of course it, it grew into something else but at the time it was really about okay what can I get from, you know, from, from sharing my pregnancy. It wasn't about being ashamed of it, but it was about embracing it and sharing it with the world, the trials and tribulations. I'm, if you recall, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, it was a big deal that she was pregnant and it became a big, big news. So her shopping is a big, is, is a big deal. And it became news in and itself. And so celebrities sometimes would come just so they can get photographed too. I mean, you had, you know, B-level celebrities that are like, oh, I'm going to go there so I can get photographed and then I'll get press. So it almost became its own, its own um, machine and its own um, sort of the pre-social media. That is how you were able to get noticed. And of course now it's, nobody cares anymore. and, And it's all about social media and it's all about the collaborations. But at the time it was, it was a really, um, we sort of brought the idea of, of bringing your, um, your pregnancy to light and being able to get sponsorships from big brands and, uh, and so on. Yeah. When you said that about the magazine and stuff, I do remember seeing something, um, I don't know who it was, but they they show the nursery. Like it's, that's, 
part of like it was like a people magazine or something so yeah. were your some of your finished oh, yeah. part of that sure, yeah we had we had a lot of our nurseries in people magazine we like i mentioned we had um lisa marie presley we had um i don't know gwen stefani's where, where it was never uh pictured but you know jennifer lopez's was um we had rachel zoe who did uh, we did her nursery as well you know with her first son and uh, we had um, uh, Ciara or Kiara. I always I always mispronounce. Is this Ciara or Kiara? I don't know. I'm not very good okay. at pronouncing. <laughs> I've been terrible with 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 that. Uh, maybe we edit this part out and I say um, Ciara. I think it's Ciara. I <laughs> It was Ciara, I'll say it again. So Ciara had her nursery um, published and then we had, um, you know, and then it started showing up on Instagram as well. So towards the end, it wasn't just in the, uh, it wasn't just in the trades, but it was also in, uh, on social media. And yeah. uh, it became, you know, really fun for people to see and try and mimic and be in, and have access to what these aspirational rooms are like so they can create the same room for themselves. Oh yeah. I think that's crazy. That you said you've done all of that before social media was really a thing because yeah. I think social media has done wonders for our business for in many ways, but also has destroyed it in many businesses. But I think, like you said, when a client comes with you from like a picture of Gwen Stefani's nursery and they're like, I want this. It's so nice to have that because a lot of customers aren't visual and they can't, they see what they have in their head, but they can't explain it. So having the resources of social media nowadays is so nice. In my it's great. I mean, I think it's been for our business, for interior design, it's critical because things are, you don't have to wait for a project to be published. It's almost, um, uh, irrelevant to wait to get published because the time that it takes to get published it takes so long and by then the design is almost um irrelevant yeah and things are moving so fast and people want to see it right away and you 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 get more clients from sharing a photo on instagram than you would i kid you not from being in architectural digest i mean there oh, is 100%. you know i'm in a group of interior designers we talk all the time and some of the best in the world and there's a consensus that uh you gotta you know you gotta you, you gotta show that image because that's what speaks to people and essentially you are you are reaching an audience yeah. that is going to potentially hire you and that audience you know isn't going to wait for architectural digest to come out by then it's it's passe oh absolutely it's just like i think it was last year when um ashton kutcher and mila kunitz were on architectural digest and they showed their whole LA home like I only saw that because of social media you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't have seen it because maybe you weren't you know perusing through AD or or, yeah. or everybody was talking about it. everybody was sharing it and yeah. um it, I mean Alicia Keys's house that came out I mean it just was like it was incredible because it was all over social media beautifully done and that's what's happening now is people want to see there's this direct need to see things immediately, quickly, preview, sneak peeks. It's uh, it's really hard to even keep up, actually, because things are changing in, at a velocity that I can't even, you know, luckily I'm quick. I'm too fast. I'm fast, which is why I'm always like hurting myself because I'm like, oh, I mean, this is what it yeah. is. I can't even breathe sometimes because things are happening. Clients expect things right away. I remember. Oh, yeah. 
when I was uh, running the, the my retail store, people, you know, people would place an order for very high-end custom European items. And then they're like, well, when are we, when am I getting it? And literally within the hour of placing the order. And I couldn't say this, but I was thinking, you know, this isn't Amazon. Like you, I cannot get these products over to you overnight because there's, there's a process and some of these are being drop shipped and some of them are in customs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and so, you know, this need for speed uh, as much as it's interesting and good to be able to get things quickly is also uh, this, this unrealistic expectation, I think, uh, is difficult for a lot of designers just to be able to handle. Oh, absolutely. Especially during this time period right now that we're going through. It's impossible yeah. to get stuff in. Impossible. Impossible. Well, I did hear a rumor about you doing some type of partnership with Ruggable. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes. So uh, thank you for, for bringing that up. It's um, a lifelong dream of mine to have my own rug collection, but additionally to have a rug collection that is accessible to, uh, you know, Ruggable is um, the, one of the leading direct-to-consumer companies um, in the United States, if not United States, Canada, and maybe even the world. So uh, they, they have an incredible company that has rugs that are washable. So it's this concept that um, is really a great one for those that have pets or, or for those that just want to live their lives and not stress and at a great price point. But then, you know, you want to have that elevated design. And what the interesting thing about these rugs is that they look really great. And when you've got my design on it, you know, it's, it's something that I love and approve. And, you know, if, if I were to put that design on a, you know, on a silk rug or on a wool rug, it would cost you know, 20 times that, 30 times that. So you're able to get something at um, a fraction of the cost that has the same high-end designer look at uh, an accessible price point. And you can throw it in the um, washing, uh, in your in your washing machine. Yeah, that's so. that company, I've always been so fascinated in what, because a lot of people are saying like, you can't, you could have nice things until you have children. And then when you have the children or dogs or something, you have to like downgrade your design style. And I never want to. No, do not do no. that. Yeah. And yeah. with those expensive rugs that you're talking about, it's probably impossible to keep those clean. But with Ruggable, it's so easy to have a stylish looking home and be able to clean it and still give your kids the freedom of doing what, just being kids. Yeah. And living it's, you yeah. know, it's difficult. Cause I'm very, very, um, you know, I have a little bit of, um, issues with making sure everything is tidy and clean and orderly and organized. And it sometimes takes over, but I've come to the realization as I've gotten older that what's the point of having all these nice things, if they're just in a cupboard, you know, with covered in, you know, in, in, in whatever, in dust bags and things. And I've tried to transform and I certainly, uh, I'm working on getting better at just living and enjoying because who knows how long, you know, any of us have and why shouldn't our surroundings be beautiful? There's a, you know, there's, there's a, there's a sentiment, there's a, there's a feeling you get when you walk into your home and you, and you look around, at least for me, and things look, you know, beautiful and they're placed nicely and um, everything, there's order, but there's beauty. And it just, to me, elevates my uh, my spirit and that's what I try and achieve in design is to really elevate your spirit in a way that makes you feel great 
and happy and, um, and, and to love your surroundings. And that is exactly what, you know, I preach. And that is why when you have kids or dogs or whatever, none of that should uh, compromise your ability to live a beautiful life. I 100% agree. Yeah, because a lot of people just think design is just aesthetic, um, aesthetically pleasing what it looks like. But it's also so mental too. Like you can, uh, you can move into an empty house with you just put a couch in there and it's not going to feel like a home or mentally put you to relax in the home until you actually make it a home and actually make it relaxing yourself with the design. Yeah, and different designs speak differently to different people. And um, I know that when I like walk by a little corner that I've done that has the perfect juxtaposition of maybe like a beautiful mid-century chair with like, uh, um, you know, an 18th century mirror and it's the perfect combination. Like my heart skips a beat, I kid you not. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love that. And then I move on. And then I have moments like that throughout my house, especially when it's spring and I look outside and I spend a lot of time um, on my landscape and my landscape architecture and, and, and plantings and so on, because it's to me a, a part of the home. So when I see, you know, new flowers that are uh, in the spring that are blossoming and I see like a bush that's finally taking the perfect shape, I mean, that makes me ecstatic. Yeah. It makes me happy. It brings joy into my life. So it's not about, you know, it's not about the item. It's not about, you know, this, this item that I paid, you know, $40 for or whatever this may be. It's really about the sentiment and it's really about how you feel when you're in that space. And there's a, there's also a spiritual component. There's a mental sort of health component. There are a lot of people that talk about and write about mental health and, um, and design and it is it evokes a certain sentiment in you and uh, I mean you know walk into a chaotic home and you'll feel chaos you'll feel uneasy yeah a, a house that's messy that's just unorganized that's got too much color or whatever it could set you off it'll set off your mood so it's really important and it doesn't have to be things that are expensive you can do it for for nothing you know beautiful coat of paint um, a beautiful item you find at, um, you know, a, a, an off store, you know, a, a, one of these discount outlet stores. It's how you display it, you know, get a beautiful book and um, put that on your coffee table. You know, everybody can afford uh, a beautiful book yeah. that is, a, you know, exquisite designs and enjoy it and live in it and love it and appreciate it. And, and, you know, and that's really you know, my, my, my sort of thought. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing of being a good designer. You have to figure out how your client feels about certain colors or certain stuff. Like my house, as you can see, I have a black wall. I have a lot of black accent walls throughout my house. And a lot of people think that's very dark and depressing, but it's paired with warm woods and all of the, that. Yeah. White, and it's all the other walls are white. And that's actually brings me to my next point where I want to show you um, how I found you. Okay, great. Yes. On your website. And those who are listening to this on podcast, um, you can head over to her Instagram account or her website. But if you click here on projects, this is the picture of, I guess you said it's your kitchen. This, this is my kitchen. Yes. That is what I saw it on my Instagram, um, for you page or discovery page. Yeah. Um, and someone else posted about it 
talking about they how they loved your design and that's how I found you but oh, wonderful great my dream Instagram, kitchen right it's all through Instagram yeah exactly yeah what I mean the flooring going vertically like that is probably the most interesting flooring design I've seen in a while it just like catches your eye what what got you to do that so I, as I mentioned, I built my house from the ground up. I had previously purchased homes, gutted them, redid them, but it never felt right because I wanted the right ceiling height. I wanted the right soffit. I wanted this, I wanted that. And so at one point I went to my husband and I said, listen, I found a piece of land in, in Beverly Hills, probably only the last piece of land you could get in Beverly Hills at the time. I want to build, you know, my dream house on there. And I was just waiting for him to say, are you crazy? Because we just literally finished our gut remodel and it was a complete gut remodel. And he said to me, go big or go home. And I was, and, and I couldn't believe it. Those words, we sometimes we used to say, we went, you know, we didn't go big, we went home because they were, we, it was such a difficult project and we almost regretted it at some point in the middle. But, but now of course, we're really glad it happened. Um, and you know, I had this vision of uh, black and white floors and it was very hard to execute because you couldn't find the right uh, materials. And so I found these 12 by 24 tiles, as you can see, I had them cut in the middle and then we created these strips with black absolute and Carrera. And uh, we just laid them on a diagonal, which made it really fun. And basically uh, it, it, and then we had to do the grouting. Now the grouting was difficult because we had to do the grouting where the white was and the white, and then with the with the black, um, you know, the, the the white would get into the black grouting. So then we had to go in, and I mean, it was very labor intensive. It was costly in that sense. Um, and if I had endless amounts of money, I would have done them with slabs, but that would have been just cost prohibitive. But it turned out, you know, magically. And it's you know, it's part of the house that's you know that speaks to me. It's very as you can see, it's very wow. It's not for everybody. Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, but those who love it, like, can't get enough of it. And it's fun. You want to experiment. You can, design shouldn't be about doing things for resale. And I say this a lot to my clients. They're like, well, if we do that, then the house isn't going to be great for resale. And I said, to hell with, I, you know, I might use a little bit more colorful language. I'm like, <laughs> to hell with resale. Live your life, your true design life do what you love enjoy it and so what if you know uh, and by the way if if you have good aesthetics someone who has great aesthetics is going to love your house is going to buy your house so yeah um, but you can't even think that way you just have to do what you love and so you know this was a, a labor of love this this house and every square foot was thought out very methodically a lot of research went into it which really helped me with my even with my interior design business you know they say 10,000 hours you know in the outliers I mean I, I think I had studied 20,000 hours just for this project because I wanted it to be perfect so yeah wow yeah it's it's, it's absolutely amazing yeah it's thank you for, for sharing and 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 uh oh. you know liking it too oh it's amazing like I spent hours on your page um when I saw that just because of that that flooring just like literally stopped me in my tracks just like there's not many designs that do that. Do that, yeah. Stop. It's, a lot of them are nice and they're beautiful to look at, but they don't like actually stop. And it's almost like when you listen to a song that you hear the lyrics and they're just like, wow, they, 
touch her. Yeah. That's what that, that was is. really wow, especially because um, I completed that, I want to say about five years ago, six years ago. So for okay. six years ago, it became really wow. And then I did see, you know, a, a couple other people do it and it, it was still great. I mean, I still, you know, I was, I was glad that other people were picking up on the boldness. I think Tommy Hill figured that in one of his houses, uh -huh. uh, you know, a couple of years after. And uh, it's great. It's great to see people get inspired and, and yeah. push the envelope and be bold. And, you know, now everything's neutral and just, you know, it's the no kitchen kitchen and it's the, yeah you know, light wood and white and all of that, which is fine, but you know, it's it, design goes through its, its cycles. So exactly. um, it was, it was at a time where bold was really, um, it, you know, uh, people gravitated towards it and I still love, I still love it. I wouldn't change it. That's awesome. Well, Nina, I would like to end on promoting everything you um where they could find your website instagram youtube everything thank you thank well a i want to thank you so much for having me on your podcast i mean it's, well, thanks it's for joining. so sweet of you to ask and um I'm, I'm i hope that people are interested i my website is ninatakish.com my last name is spelled t as in tom a-k-e-s-h that's my handle for Instagram. I have a YouTube channel where I share a lot of my passion and, you know, for free, I do it uh, not for, you know, any, any, it's not for financial reward. Trust me. Um, it's to really share my passion with people that are my followers who I find to be probably some of the nicest group of people I have met. Cause I never get hate. I just get love and I give love and I get love and it's uh, it's so rewarding. And so that channel is called red elevator and it comes out every Sunday for those of you who are interested in watching. And it has a lot of good tips and tricks and, you know, how to organize your home and how to do design and what are the colors of the year and all those things. Um, but a majority of what you, what is also interesting is, um, is on my Instagram. So that's, uh, my name at Nina Takish and the stories are really fun because I take you along the journey. So right now I'm doing a flip in Sherman Oaks in California and everything that is happening is I'm showing, you know, the mistakes, the corrections. So if you want to learn and you want to be involved, you know, definitely follow and follow the stories. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nina, for jumping on. I'm so honored to have you on here. Um, thank yeah. you. Nope.